Okay. Okay. Welcome. Welcome, everybody, to this new episode of the podcast uh, Coffee Breakdown. I am Luca, and actually, the aim of this uh, podcast uh, is uh, to shine some lights into different uh, field of research, also to give space uh, to students, uh, PhD students or master, to show their research and also to more senior scientists to express their opinion about our field. And today we have with us uh, Ruven Lamprecht, who's a PhD uh, student uh, at the University of Kiel in Germany. Uh, first of all, Thank you very much, uh, Ruven, for uh, being here and sharing your work with us. And uh, yeah. Yeah, thank you for the uh, invitation, of course. Um, nice to talk about this topic. And um, yeah, my name is Ruven, as you said, and I'm a PhD student in Kiel, and I'm uh, working on memoristive devices uh, or searching for new materials for this uh, field, I would say, and uh, in the general um, yeah, border of neuromorphic computing. Uh, so I hope I can get some information. Okay. okay. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah, yeah. actually, okay. <laughs> you, you already, you already introduced uh, some terminology that is uh, very interesting that I think not all of our public is familiar with. Mm -hmm. So these memory devices, but first of all, I would start with this neuromorphic computing that you mm -hmm. were mentioning. So what do you mean by neuromorphic? Because we are used to classical standard computing, right? Mm -hmm. based on uh, yeah, standard so, uh, CMOS uh, technology. So, yeah. So, yeah, the memristor is a part of neuromorphic computing. So, one little part. So, it's uh, yeah, a good idea to talk about neuromorphic computing first. Um, yeah, um, since we all know the normal computer, I would say we uh, all have in our smartphones on, uh, we are talking over a normal computer now. So, um, yeah, the, there's a, a rise in interest in, in, interest in uh, machine learning and new uh, data-driven uh, computing, I would say. And mm -hmm. therefore we, we have, um, we, we tend to, uh, we, or we have a new um, topic of, of uh, this uh, data-centric computing, which is uh, just um, a bit problematic for the normal uh, logic-driven or um, uh, control-centric uh, computing from this von Neumann computing. So the normal computer yeah. we are using is a von Neumann, archi von Neumann architecture. And um, therefore we get to an end of this, um, yeah, this type of computing because um, it's the, the new um, computing is kind of highly uh, power consuming and uh, we need yeah. uh, a lot of data has to be transformed from uh, during the, the computing unit, the CPU and the, uh, the memory. And therefore, um, researchers are searching for a solution uh, to have, at, um, yeah, there are two, maybe maybe two topics like uh, this um, in-memory computing. So we have mm -hmm. the um, there's a bottleneck between this data transfer between the memory and the computing part. Yeah, and this is one of the actually structure main structure of this yeah. architecture, right? The division between CPU and the memory, basically, yeah, exactly. and so the passing information is. Yes. becoming really bottleneck if you're doing mm -hmm. like AI or this type of application. That's true. Yeah, so. exactly. So they, I, I would say they try to optimize this by um, having this in-memory computation. Uh, but another approach is to, um, to um, use this neuromorphic computing aspect. Like um, when, we, when we look at our brain, it's uh, just that we have um, this highly complex system which can compute 
a lot of stuff. So when we when we look at a picture, I can clearly see, or if I look at you, I can clearly see. Oh, this is Luca in like uh, a few milliseconds. Yeah, and uh, if I if I, if I would use a computer um, just to make the same computation and uh, see if this is Luca I'm talking to, he has to yeah. Um, compare the image with a lot of data and uh, it's, it's highly power consuming. So uh, in neuromorphic computing, um, we try to uh, mimic the brain or th this is why it's al also called bio-inspired computing. And um, yeah, it's beneficial because of, of course, we only use a few hundred watts in our brain. Yeah, this is, to, um, this is uh, interesting, yeah. Uh, yeah. And uh, I, I think, uh, uh, yeah, this is one of the main points. This is also, to my understanding, one of the limitations, you know, this uh, Moore's law mm. of this uh, scaling that you can make devices smaller and smaller. Yeah, exactly. So you can, of course, perform more computation. Uh, nevertheless, uh, when you increase also clock rate, you increase power consumption kind of linearly. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, exactly. you know, so this becomes uh, kind of problematic in the modern architecture. Uh, whereas mm -hmm. uh, we want to have, uh, from what I understood also from what you were saying, you know, we want to have something that is less power consuming. Uh, so yeah, that, that is very interesting. So, okay, so then uh, actually, so this is something that uh, is in advanced phase or uh, is uh, being researched now? So what is your feeling about the topic? Are there also companies or private sector investing in it or it's just starting? Do you know about uh, that? I would I would say it's uh, um, in the in the early stages of research okay, okay. because um, all this um, we are still trying to figure out how the human brain works. So uh, there are a lot of um, yeah research um, groups who are just searching for to understand the synapse, the neural networks, yeah. and stuff like that. So uh, if we don't understand the neural network, we can't mimic it by electric components. Uh -huh. So um, I would say it's still in, in the early uh, stages, but still uh, there's a lot of uh, investment in this topic from the big companies because they they still they, they know that um, the uh, the current architecture isn't working out for the future, so they also, uh, also have to invest in different yeah, uh, areas, yeah, yeah. of course. But um, yeah, I, I think we we need some more years for this, um, and I think um, a common mistake is that. This this neuromorphic computing is not a supplement to the uh, the structure uh, the, the the computing we are using right now, but more mm -hmm. like a new aspect or new okay. um, add-on. <laughs> yeah. I don't know how to say this, but um, so so the the control-centric computing is still used, but we can um, we can um, yeah make it better by exactly. Some, okay. Yeah, exactly. I see. So, I see. So few, future devices will have different uh, components, uh, some yes. of that uh, based on standard uh, CMOS technology and some of that mm -hmm. with this uh, memory Steve that now we're talking about, uh, I suppose. Yeah, exactly. Uh, okay, very interesting. Another thing that is always puzzling to me, it's always, you know, because we say always, okay, we want to mimic the brain, right? But of mm -hmm. course the, the clock rate, I mean, the number of computation we can do per second is very different than what the computer can do, right? So it's yeah. not that we are really, we really have a brain uh, made of silica or something like that. It's, it's totally no. different. So there is still, there are still, still differences, I think, right? Uh, yeah, so we, we still have to train the network and we still have to uh, make the network learn over a few, uh, uh, not, 
in milliseconds so we can't give it a task and some seconds later we have the result like the normal computer but we we can uh, train the system for um for a task we know for example image recognition or something and then we get um we get out the uh, after we, we trained it we we get out a result in still a, a small time sa um, sample but of course um yeah it's it's not that that easy to to learn so if we compare it again to the human brain the human brain needs years um to learn uh things like uh walking like image exactly so stuff. it's so, not really one-to-one -one comparison because no. we still have to understand biological yeah. system how they work that is true you're right i think so you're but right. uh, but uh, when we you can um, compare it uh, more to the the software-based machine learning for example where we okay. also have to train the system and afterwards we can use the system for image recognition maybe yeah, yeah. and um so if we if we train the network right um over yeah I don't know how long it takes, but uh, if we train it right, then maybe we can use systems like this for, for example, autonomous driving or something where we, they That's true. Mm -hmm. they clearly can see on the street like a human brain. So. Okay, okay. I would like still to focus on this hardware part because I think uh, most of people are familiar with the software part, you know, kind of mm -hmm. using machine learning. We know a lot of applications, uh, machine learning. Uh, but the hardware part is something that uh, a bit less people talk about. This is my feeling, uh, at least. Uh, mm -hmm. So can you describe uh, um, how do you, uh, you know, which type of you, before you were mentioning about this memoristic device. So what are mm -hmm. those type of device and how, how can you make it? What is their structure, basically? Is it very different um, than transistors, for example? Um, yeah, it's... it's more simple but if, if we go to the start again um so mm -hmm. the human brain consists of of uh, many, many neurons um with uh, connected by axons and then you have the synapse uh, which is the yeah. the part um where um by strengthening and weakening we get this different uh, yeah connections between the um between the neurons and um these um the hardware part is i would say First, the, the software uh, machine learning um, and uh, artificial intelligence and stuff like that is just uh, uh, that we learned that we can do these neural networks with hidden layers and this the connection between these and weight and the weights of the different um, yeah synapses kind of um, yeah, yeah. and that we we learned about this during the the software part but um, it's still hardly power consuming so uh, we we need a, a, a yeah a new way uh, to use this so mm -hmm. it's kind of the same but um, that we have this synapses um, which are uh, have the, uh, the the weighting by changing the resistance and then there's the memristor yeah. uh, which comes in um, because this memristive device or the memristor tries to um, mimic the, the the synapse, so um, we have just a simple structure. So it's more like just two electrodes, or it's just a, a one material in between of uh, metal, for example. And then and this material changes its morphology in mm -hmm. different kinds of ways. So um, there are different kinds of memristive devices and therefore the resistance changes. So um, by, and so the memristive, it's, which is called memristor because of it has a memory and this is a resistor. It, um, yeah, yeah. it can, it can uh, memorize the, um, what 
what happens in before. So if it if we apply a few voltage pulses to it, then it changes the resistance according to these voltage pulses, and therefore it has learned uh, which resistance it should get, and then we can, yeah, um, use it as a as a waiting synapse, for example. Okay, that is very clear. So, I think. Uh, okay. Okay. So. If, in comparison for the for the uh, mm -hmm. um, transistor, for example, I think uh, yeah, it's still a two terminal. It's a two terminal device, mm -hmm. so we just uh, use it as like a normal resistor, um, and we have just uh, maybe one layer of um, yeah of of different materials or two layers, and th that's it. So it can be um, scaled down to yeah in the nanometer range, I would say, and uh, okay. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So that, that is interesting. So uh, th there are two aspects. First of all, you you mentioned some some materials. So we, which mm -hmm. material typically is used to produce uh, this uh, this layer or this insulator layer typically? Um, yeah, there there are um, a few different. Yeah, there's dielectric. In, in general, we use dielectrics for this um, and or, or insulating materials, uh, which get mm -hmm. uh, yeah get. Um, conductive uh, by applying these voltage pulses and um, yeah for example um, of course everyone tries to use CMOS compatible materials because they can yeah, yeah. Uh, use these in the same fabrication as um, exactly that's also an computers. advantage yeah, yeah exactly so uh, for example uh, the first memristor um, which was with uh, titanium dioxide for example mm -hmm. then of course there's um, silicon dioxide or uh, copper oxide um, these are like nickel oxide zinc ox uh, uh, zirconium oxide okay. uh, so these dioxide, metal oxides like this so yeah, yeah okay they are mostly with uh, oxides so um, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. at least in in this um, in normal computing uh, you can can use different materials as well, um, but um, I would say the most promising materials so far are these oxide-based materials. Okay, okay, that's interesting. I was reading, but uh, I'm not expert of it. Uh, I don't know if you mm -hmm. so. Also, materials that uh, exhibit this uh, type of resistive switching properties by changing magnetization. Do you know something about it, mm -hmm. or uh, I, I don't know? I think this is totally different, right? Uh, yes. Um, so. Um, these by changing the magnetization or um, stuff like that. This is more for the uh, yeah the basic memory I would say or the okay. uh, where we can um, uh, store these binary uh, um, yeah input. Uh, but for normal of computing, for example, we like to have um, more an analog switching behavior. So we 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 change the resistance for uh, multiple states, and therefore we we can have yeah uh, like uh, an area between uh -huh. a few ohms and uh, hundreds of ohms. And this is not a binary like we are on an on state and off state, but more of uh, in in between of this. Okay. 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 And uh, regarding the fabrication, you mentioned basically mm -hmm. this is very similar or actually the same to what has been performed. So, how do you fabricate this device in your lab? So in our lab, uh, we are using um, the the magnetron sputter deposition uh, as well as evaporation. But uh, in general, I would say there's also uh, atomic layer deposition and chemical vapor deposition techniques, but mm -hmm. um, I think since this is in the early stages of this research, and we um, we the stoichiometry of the devices is very important, 
it's for us at least uh, very beneficial to use this uh, sputter disposition or evaporation because we can easily change uh, the the composition of the uh, of the switching layer and um, get faster results for different uh, stoichiometries and see what 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 works and what not okay 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 so basically then you are trying also to investigate uh, different materials and so on and try mm -hmm. to fabricate uh, different type of devices then then will be used for this neuromorphic computing uh, this is the core of your research right uh, if i understand correctly yeah exactly mm -hmm. yeah okay, so okay. um i would say um um that we uh, try to you to find new materials because um when you compare us to uh, the industry mm -hmm. and we we would research we make research on a material which is well known already and mm -hmm. we get in um uh, we try to compare us to like samsung or something like that mm -hmm. uh, i would say we we would uh, they would be faster in every uh, aspect. yeah exactly exactly but, that's that's why we we concentrate on on these new materials and see what what else is, is possible um since the, the the promising materials they are using so far um yeah they still have some drawbacks and and maybe we can find something even better and and this is i would say the interesting okay, part about okay okay so <laughs> exactly so so what are you excited about your research so is there something that uh, is very fascinating for for you uh, or also of, that your colleagues around you are investigating, for example. So what do you like about this neuromorphic computing field? Um, I like, especially I like that this is some based really new stuff and um, you can, you can, it's like when you, when you make an, a measurement and uh, we are doing these IV curves. So um, mm -hmm. we measure the, the current flowing through device um, in comparison to the voltage we apply to it and um, when you see the device and uh, you, you find a new structure or a new stoichiometry and you, you test it out and it nearly feels like the device is alive so um, okay, okay. yeah it's, it's kind of funny maybe but um, you, you really see like uh, that there's something happening in between these electrodes and uh, the stoichiometry changes and uh, you have to find the perfect um, composition that this device um yeah stays alive i would say and okay, okay. Um, that makes quite interesting for me because um when you then connect these um uh, devices uh, to a network then maybe the the whole network gets even more alive <laughs> okay okay that's very interesting i have one final question that uh, is puzzling me also i think for this type of devices what is important is also the durability right uh, because uh, if you compare with other silicon silica devices uh, then uh, what, what's the current status uh, at least of your device the device that you make uh, what what do you think for example if temperature changes or if time also yeah, of you course. Know, this is this is uh, the big drawback. Um, mm -hmm. So we 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 uh, achieved like yeah if, that it's it's uh, um, from um, so in general for memories to devices there's this drawback of cycle to cycle variability. So mm -hmm. if we want to use it uh, for in memory computing and we use a memoristive device and it changes the resistance from every pulse, uh, then it's not uh, suitable for our for, yeah. for a big company for example so um this is a drawback but so far i think uh, at least for me we we achieve like um yeah retention times so that it holds the state over um multiple 
days sometimes. Okay. okay. Um, but of course, uh, you you need um, different scales in comparison to this in-memory computing, or at mm -hmm. least or the phenomenon computing, because there you need like ten years uh, for of of um, of uh, retention time or mm -hmm. the storage of the mem um, the, the information. And uh, in our case, for normal computing, sometimes it's it, it's even okay. I would say if it loses its its, uh, its state after 15 minutes. So some research groups um, are interested in this as well because okay. uh, they need different um, yeah, approaches to this normal computing. But yeah. uh, so far, uh, we we achieve like uh, a few days and um, cycle st cycle stabilities. Uh -huh. kind of okay but um yeah of course this okay is, the uh, new materials it's yeah, not yeah. that so this is one of your let's say main challenges of so of your project mm -hmm. of your experimental activity i think right so to have devices yeah. that perform uh, well uh, also that they have some sort of stability you always yeah. have to come compare with uh in the industry standard or yeah, at yeah. least uh, next to it so uh yeah of course this is uh, always a uh, a challenge uh, to get at least next to these uh, these parameters so um yeah mm -hmm. okay okay um yeah is there uh, something else uh, you want to promote or you want to say about uh, your research uh, or uh, if not uh, i would like to thank you yeah, no, I'm totally fine. Thank you. <laughs> okay, and uh, thank you very much, Ruven. I think this is one of the first uh, episodes, actually, that we make about uh, neuromorphic computing. So hopefully, in the future, we'll have also more students and other people uh, participating in this podcast. Mm -hmm. uh, so you are a kind of a pioneer, so you should be proud of it. So. <laughs> and uh, see you soon, actually, and uh, see you around. Yeah, thank Bye. you very much. Bye-bye.